This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined in person this time by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison. And in today's episode, we're going to look a couple of years ahead. We've got loads of expiring contracts for some very important figures of the club. The manager, Egan Klopp, being one of them, but also some key players as well. So the question we're going to ask essentially is, is it going to be the end of an era at Anfield or is it going to be the extension of the current one? So we'll start first of all, Matt, with the players. And if you look to 2025, you have three contracts that are all expiring at the same time. You've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mohamed Salah and Virgil van Dijk. I think we should deal with Trent first of all, because that might be the simplest case, easiest ones almost get out of the way at the start. Um, it was reported during the summer that Liverpool wanted to get that contract sorted um, in the off-season, but there's no sign of anything happening on that front just yet. We know that other teams are going to be aware of what's going on. You know, We're talking about one of the best right-backs in the world here. But surely there's nothing to worry about, really, even though there is a bit of a delay. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I think it's probably one of those where Liverpool don't need to be in a rush with it. They probably know that it's almost an inevitability, isn't it? I know there has been... A few links in Spain with Barcelona, with Real Madrid. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they'd love to have him. I'm sure most teams would, but it, it doesn't feel to me like he would be in any rush. There might come a point at some point in his career where he thinks maybe he'd quite like to go and, and do something else. But he's just been made vice captain of, of Liverpool Football Club. He's pretty much going to be captain at some point, isn't he? As soon as Virgil Van Dijk moves on, he's the the, the natural one to step into that position. So. I don't think we've any concerns. I'd be surprised if this time, you know, in, you know, maybe six months' time, maybe we're, we're sat here. Maybe he's he's already got it confirmed and and it's all done. But yeah, no worries and no real doubt. I don't think about where his long-term future lies. Yeah, it doesn't have the feel of one that's going to develop into a saga. It kind of has that sense of it could just sort of happen, you know, next week, and no one would really be surprised. It could sort of come out of the blue because maybe. The negotiations could be quite straightforward and they actually happen. Um, I think the point you make about the captaincy is really important too, um, in terms of he's got the pathway now, clearly, to be the captain of Liverpool, which you always knew he would be, but especially now being vice captain behind Van Dyke. And um, there's obviously talk, you know, is he going to be here his whole career? And sometimes players want new challenges, and we saw that a couple of times this summer with um, Jordan Henderson, for example. But, you know, there's still. You'd be quite confident that he will stick around um, yeah. semi for all his prime years. I think in terms of the negotiations, it's almost just him making sure that he's treated the same way that anybody else would be. Mm. I think there's maybe a few examples in the past of where players who've come through the the, the academy or, or come through the system have kind of felt like it's it's been treated as an inevitability that they would just stay and maybe they haven't been given the terms that they would have been if they'd have been you know, a big money signing from elsewhere. So... I'm sure him and his representatives will, will hope for, for that, but I wouldn't have thought that, that would be a massive issue. And like we say, we'd, we 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 don't want to treat it as an inevitability, but it basically is that, that he's not going to be going anywhere. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Barcelona and Real Madrid. I do think Real Madrid are a slightly interesting case with this because I believe Carvajal and Vasquez, they have as, as right-back options. Um, I think they're both sort of expiring contracts in the next year or two. So they'd probably be aware of, of what was happening. But again, I doubt there's any expectation on their part that it can actually be done. I mean, in, interesting thing, we have Trent's salary as well. I think he is already one of the highest areas of the club in 2021, I want to say. He signed his last contract. I think so, yeah. Um, which is interestingly a four-year deal rather than five, which is 
um, slightly strange, but obviously there would have been a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, I think it probably would just come down to they do um, sort of weigh players in, don't they, as as they progress. We've yeah. seen, um, I think Ben Doak signed a new contract recently, didn't he? And I don't think his, his last one was that long ago. It, it, it's more just the case of going up. It wouldn't make sense for, for Trent to do what Chelsea have done, for example, and have an eight-year contract because then yeah. there's no there's no incentive for Liverpool to increase that pay. Yeah, if you have a four-year deal, it, it kind of it forces that conversation. Yeah, that's a good point actually, and um, he will feel that his performances have merited a further boost to his wages. And the top earner at Liverpool is Mohamed Salah, obviously um, signed the biggest contract, certainly by salary in Liverpool's history. Um, at the end of the 21-22 season. I mean, it feels like such a long time ago already. You know, I have to check myself there as I was saying it and that it was only technically in the last calendar year. But the the conversation started again. We're in the same position we were in when all the contract talk was happening. Salah was in this in- incredible run of form and everyone was saying, how can they possibly not give him a new contract? Well, the same thing is happening. It is almost groundhog day now with Mohamed Salah. Um, we, we know there was a bid from Al Etihad last year. We expect there to be another one. And... Um, in January and if not January then next summer would you be trying to engage Mohamed Salah right now in new contract negotiations to try and ward off that interest and if so what kind of length contract would you be looking at at this stage of his career if it was me I think I'd probably do something similar to what they did last time I don't think there's a massive difference in terms of um, his levels or his importance to Liverpool as what it was when we were having this conversation with, say, 18 months left on his previous contract. I don't think there's any real sign of, you know, you'd, you'd look at, you know, Sadio Mane has, has dropped off significantly. Mm. Uh, Roberto Firmino dropped off whilst he was at Liverpool. I think it's fair to say that the last 18 months, two years, maybe wasn't at the same level. But you know, there's, there's just no sign of that with Salah. And I think for me, it makes sense that you give him an extra contract rather than cash in on him um, I know there's a lot of talk of you know Saudi Arabia might offer an amount of money that is just too much to turn down and look maybe maybe that's the case that it gets to those figures but at the moment we're talking maybe 200 million or something like that mm. I'm not sure you can buy anybody for 200 million that is going to be as good as Mohamed Salah because I don't think there is anybody out there that mm. can deliver the output that he can the physical abilities you know he, he never misses a game he's, he's always there It'll help this this year that he's not probably going to play that much Europa League football before Christmas at least. I just don't see that there's an argument unless it's 500 million or, you know, if there is a stupid, stupid offer that comes in, maybe, maybe have that conversation if he wants to force it. Again, I'd be surprised. You know, I just don't get the impression that he would be somebody that that wants to, to go and play in Saudi Arabia. I have to say, I, I don't know about you, I have not seen a minute of Saudi Arabian league football. I've not seen any of the clips apart from the one where Fabinho just stands there and lets a player run past him. You know, there's big players over there, but I don't know, maybe it's different in other parts of the world, but certainly from where we are, there's no real exposure to that. Mm. It just feels wrong, I think, that someone like Mohamed Salah would would want to go there. I just don't see that being a part of, of his character. And on that note, actually, I saw a tweet this morning that I just wanted to pull up um, when you mentioned it about the Saudi Pro League. Um, the most recent game, we brought the lowest total attendances of the season um, and the second lowest crowd was 210 fans in attendance for one of the games. I'm pretty sure I've refereed in front of more than that. <laughs> it's a uh, a 25,000 capacity stadium, which is 0.8% of the capacity. So maybe it's 
a conversation that's a bit different in a few years when the league's got you know superstar 11s not just superstar three or four players really but certainly at this point I think maybe a little bit underwhelming compared to what we expected in the summer and next season as well I mean Liverpool probably are going to have Champions League football aren't they I mean there's, there's maybe a, a, a tiny argument that you could make right now that well they're not in the Champions League anyway so you're not going to miss out on that probably at the start of the season we were thinking they're probably not going to be involved in a title race it's going to be more of a top four thing mm. I think maybe you know one or two perceptions maybe have, have changed since then but there was probably more of an argument then than there would be next summer for him going there unless something dramatic changes within that league it, it kind of feels like a, a massive massive step down if he was to do that The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah and part of me wonders whether Salah not kind of coming out and saying on Twitter that he's going to stay. You know, we saw that happen earlier in the summer. But when it was right at the end of the window and the height of the drama, there was no explicit denial. There was never an explicit, I want to leave either. You know, don't get me wrong. But was he just trying to hold Liverpool accountable there in a way to sort of be like, if your ambitions don't match mine, if I can't win the Premier League, Liverpool, if I can't win the Champions League, obviously Liverpool's trying to get back into that conversation, then maybe I should be looking to leave you know what's the difference between playing here and not winning anything and going over there and maybe you know exploring a different chapter in his career I think as long as he can win at Liverpool I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with you that he would stay obviously the money is is a huge point with this I mean you alluded to it before Matt 1.5 million per week um, was the reported offer I think that was from Sky Sports who said that um, obviously that kind of factors in like commercial things as well not just a pure salary but whatever the figure is, we're not going to be able to compete with it. Um, even if they offer him 400k a week or something like that, yeah. should obviously be a, a decent boost from what he's on now. So how how do they persuade Salah to say, is it what I just said then, really, in terms of get back into the Champions League this year, maybe win a couple of things and show that he can continue to build his legacy? Or is it going to be they need to, you know, have to scrape together every single penny they can and also give him a, a sort of a pretty stratospheric offer in his own right as well? I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought that it would have to be massively more than what he's on now because, like you say, everyone involved is, is going to be aware that they're not going to offer him anything like Saudi Arabia. So if mm. if your decision comes down to how much money can you be offered, then your decision is not Liverpool. The only way that Liverpool can persuade him is they're back at, at the top of, of the Premier League, they're back in the Champions League, and as soon as they're back in, you'd imagine that they're going to go quite a long way in that and, and be instantly one of the favourites for that continue to rebuild the team I think you know we saw Mohamed Salah was pretty much the only one at the, the end of last season to say we're going to put this right and he was the one that publicly publicly came out and, and said that I think as long as you make clear that there's a project there for him and he's a key part of it and he's one of the leaders within this I just don't see any any reason for him to, to move away I mean you know the situation at the moment in that he he hasn't obviously come out and said I want to leave. Clearly, that's that's not the case. But he's not he's not completely ruled it out. That that to me says he's not really thinking about it necessarily. He might be, but it, it's more a kind of a negotiating thing. Of yeah, Liverpool have to be aware that there's that interest, and he's kind of using that. Him and his, his representatives are, are more likely to be using that. I think as yeah. as leverage to to go look. Well, you've got to make a decision. You've got to put the money down and. And give him a contract of a certain length or a certain number. Otherwise, you know there are other options. It's a bit like when the story came out um, that he would be willing to join another Premier League team just before you know he signed that new contract. It 
it probably wasn't a coincidence. I don't think that that story came out. I think it was only a few weeks later that the deal was done and, and it was all over the line and they they managed to, to get it done. So it kind of feels a bit like that to me. I, I'm not quite yet in the camp of, I firmly believe that he wants to make that move now. I'm also not in the camp of thinking that, and to be fair, I don't think anybody is. I, I, I don't think anyone thinks that if it's not now or it's not January, then it's not going to happen. Mm. I think he could sign quite easily a three or four year contract at Liverpool and still have two or three years after that where he goes to Saudi Arabia. So for me, he's, he's still a long-term player at Liverpool. Liverpool should want to keep him and do everything they can. But also, I, I don't really think that he would be in a position where he wouldn't want to be a part of that because it just wouldn't it wouldn't really make any sense. Yeah, we saw uh, Kylian Mbappe got the chance to, to go there for a year um, and then basically join Real Madrid in the summer. Huge offer came in for him. Obviously, he's at an earlier stage of his career, but you just sort of thought to yourself, him saying no to that was kind of an admission that, no, I want to be playing in the Champions League. So, you know, I'm one of the best players in the world. And uh, I think, to be fair to him, that, that would have made more sense than the Salah thing because it was for one year. Yeah. It was a massive amount of money and he'd get the move that he probably wants anyway and has been angling for for a few years. I thought... I thought it was a bit of a surprise to me that he didn't take that because yeah. the money was so big and, and because the circumstances were laid out in such a way. I think there was a much better argument for that rather than Salah where it basically if he goes to Saudi Arabia, he's not coming back to the top of the European game. If if you yeah. go there, that's that's kind of him done at, at the age that he is. So, yeah, I was I was slightly surprised with that. But. Yeah, and I, part of me wonders whether he just wanted to make absolute sure he was still in control of his own destiny because it's easy for a club to say one thing and then maybe to be like, oh, we'll just convince him next summer to do something else um, but we'll certainly have to see what happens with Salah as well I mean the last time he was going for a contract extension he basically made the point that yes he was asking for more money but to him it wasn't necessarily about just having more in his bank accounts it was about him being placed on the same level as players like Kevin De Bruyne who you know he's been competing with him for best player in the league Mansell, for a while and I think he just wanted that recognition more so. And I did sort of take him in his word for that. I don't know if that's just me being naive. Um, but we'll see, obviously, how much the finances come into it this time and how much it is to do with the competitiveness side of things. So we talked about Trent, who's, like we say, it should be pretty clear cut. Salah, it's a bit up in the air. One player who's not really been talked about as much in the same bracket, even though he is a huge figure at Liverpool, obviously appointed captain this summer, is Virgil van Dijk. He's also 2025, 20, first contract expiry. He's going to be 34 when that year comes around. Obviously, we, he struggled last year. It was probably his poorest Liverpool season. Um, it improved quite a lot this season. Do you think Liverpool have to wait a little bit before they decide what they want to do with Virgil van Dijk? Or if it was up to you, would you be saying, you know what, if we can get this done in the next you know, few weeks or months, you know, let, let's just get it sorted. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think I'd rather get it sorted sooner rather than later, but it's a little bit similar, I think, maybe to the Trent one, in that I just don't really see him going anywhere else. Mm. Um, maybe, maybe again, that's a little bit naive, that maybe, you know, if a, a Real Madrid or, or a Barcelona came in for him, maybe there'd be, you know, a conversation to be had, but I, I just don't think that it, it's really a, a massive worry. I think that's why we've not really spoken about it much. We've not had uh, many stories about it. I just don't think it's it's a massive worry. It's, Liverpool captain now, that's a, a big thing for him. He's, you know, in a team where not that he wouldn't necessarily have reached that level without being at Liverpool, but Liverpool's definitely played a big part in making him the player that he is. He seems to, to be really relaxed and, and comfortable. There's never been any 
serious speculation about him going anywhere else. It feels a little bit similar to Trent to me in that Liverpool can take the time, relax, do it in their own time, but I'm pretty sure that there will be an extension at some point because you, know, you mentioned last season was his, his poorest season, but I think we do hold him to a completely different standard to, to anybody else. He was still one of the best defenders in the Premier League last yeah. season. He just wasn't quite at the level that he'd been previously. And, I mean, if we look at his improvement this year, obviously he's missed a couple of games through suspension, um, which is important to be noted in terms of the samples and things like that. But he's winning 86% of his ground duels, which is the best record of any defender in the Premier League, and 91% of his aerial duels, which is the second best. So he's getting back to that imperious old self, you'd have to say. Um, one thing with, with Salah is that there's no sort of young right winger who's ready to take over the mantle. With Liverpool's defence, we know Canate is going to be a long-term part of that, but there isn't, you know, Joe Gomez probably isn't going to be a starter long-term. Joe Matip is probably going to leave at the end of the season when his deal expires. So do you think, for, from Liverpool's standpoint, until they bring in someone who's capable of being that long-term partner to Canate and that long-term answer, then really there's no sort of world where they would think about parting with Virgil van Dijk because at the moment there is no kind of plan B except sticking with him even if he is going to be sort of 10 and 34 like I say by the time this contract expires I think the two go hand in hand to be honest I think you can have you know a 35 36 year old Van Dyke if you've got somebody else who can play a little bit as well and, and doesn't have to um, you know it, it doesn't have to be that he leaves and then somebody else comes in it can be more of a, a gradual thing where you know maybe the, the, the new younger model comes in and plays a, a bit of the games that he would play and there's a bit of an overlap period they get adjusted he kind of slowly eases himself out he's still the, the captain I think that was probably the idea with Jordan Henderson before he decided to mm. to go off to Saudi Arabia in that there'd be enough minutes for him there'd still be you know more than enough time for him to, to get his game but it would be slowly reduced he'd mm. still be able to do the, the leadership stuff he'd still be a big part of, of the dressing room but it would just be you know a, a different type of role to what it was previously it's it's probably easier to do that with a centre back than than a midfielder. You can probably play, you know, Thiago Silva, the obvious example. But there's loads of, of of players who can can do that role, and they're intelligent enough. They can read the game well enough that the lack of of pace necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say is particularly slow at the moment. But maybe if if that did become a bit more of an issue, you you've still got you know other pacey players in that back line. You've still got Allison behind. You've still got you know a system. Uh, and I think the system really has, has helped him this season. Yeah. The, the big difference for me in Van Dijk is that he's got a midfield in front of him that can function and can run. Um, you know that that might be putting it a little bit blunt, but I think that is that's basically the difference. Um, so I, yeah, I think there's definitely an argument to extend that sooner rather than later. But I wouldn't be in in any massive rush. I think it's it's one of those where you kind of want to delay Van Dijk and Salah replacements for as long as possible and. If you can get somebody in the door early, take three or four years to get them to that level. I'd much rather Liverpool did it like that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, I mean, to touch on your points about the midfield, first of all, there were so many situations last year where they were he was defending, you know, four V fours or like, you know, five V threes or whatever. And it was just like they were so exposed and granted he didn't handle the, the fundamentals well in some of those scenarios but most of the elite defenders who he'd been compared with when facing that, that kind of situation like regularly during a match 
And I think that shows you how important the protection is, really. And now that that's restored, I think, it, like you're saying, Matt, it is no coincidence that he's improved. And Thiago Silva was, you know, someone I was going to mention too, because I don't think there's too much precedent recently for players in their mid thirties, right? You're right up there with the best Premier League teams, you know, consistently delivering. But you know, Virgil Van Dijk is obviously an exceptional defender. And the question with him is how much does that injury that he suffered a couple of years ago limit his, his longevity? The injury comes into it, but what I would say is he wasn't at the top level until quite late in his career. He was quite late into his 20s by the time he, he reached Liverpool and, and got to that level. And obviously, you know, he, he played minutes for, for Celtic and for Southampton, but he wasn't playing Champions League football. He wasn't playing twice a week, every week for, for Liverpool for every minute that he's available. Basically, he plays up until obviously the Europa League this season might be a little bit different, but I think that plays into it as well. Mm. I, I think it's, I suppose you could say that with Salah as well. He kind of reached the, the elite level a little bit later than maybe some of the other players. I'd be surprised, for example, if Kylian Mbappe is still playing football when he's 38. Maybe he will, but you know he's he's going to be playing for a long time at that point. He kind of falls more into the the Wayne Rooney category of mm. he, he's started to play so many minutes so early that maybe there's just a lifespan of of an elite footballer. But you know, for for Van Dijk and for Salah, they 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 weren't really late in their careers, but they were were later than you'd probably imagine for 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 lots of these elite players. So. Maybe he's got a couple more seasons in him than the average player might. Yeah, interesting contrast there, because obviously Trent was a teenager when he became a regular starter for Liverpool. Van Dijk, I think, was 26-27. Um, and Mohamed Salah had obviously had his chance with sort of Chelsea, gone back to Italy, rebuilt his reputation. But then in terms of going back to the very highest level, yeah. you know, it, it was a little bit delayed for him. So hopefully that does you know prolong both of their careers at the top. So we've done the players. Now let's finish off by talking about the manager. Um Klopp has spoken repeatedly this season about Liverpool 2.0. He's, he's used that phrase multiple times. And he does seem noticeably reinvigorated after this summer, which he probably expected to just be a, you know, a few midfielders coming in, most of the old guard staying. But it ended up being basically a fully-fledged rebuild in there with you know, Fabinho, Henderson, Milner all leaving, things like that. Do you think that, based on his current demeanour, now might be a good time for Liverpool, who will obviously want to keep Klopp for as long as they can, to just maybe make some initial overtures about extending his contract once again, or is it still a little bit too soon, given that he only extended it initially last year? I don't think it's ever going to be too soon, isn't it? I think him, probably even more than, than Salah and Van Dijk, you just want it to be sorted and you want to extend that contract. I, I do think there's there's been times in the last couple of years, or probably since he signed the last contract, that you've thought maybe maybe we might be starting to, to see the end. Um, there's been difficult moments, I think, and... I think that's that's understandable, but he does seem completely refreshed, refreshed even, um, and replenished. And he just he seems he seems a bit more relaxed. It, it's clearly you know rejuvenated him having different players, and it's interesting. I know a few people have mentioned it, but the, when he left Dortmund, the, the the kind of thing was well, you either replace the manager or you replace the entire team. Hmm. Obviously, Dortmund, I'm sure, probably in hindsight, would have rather have kept him and, and done the transfers to, to make that possible. But it, it does feel like Liverpool are, are on that path. They've got a completely new midfield. Even you know the players that are already there, Trent is there, but he's not the same Trent that he was when he first came through. It, it's kind of part one of his Liverpool career is done. Part two is going to be maybe in a, a completely different role. Um, you know, the, there's there's other players as well. Even Salah is is not the same Salah that he was when he first came into Liverpool. So 
there's there's loads of, of refreshments all across the team. It, it feels like there's a more realistic chance now in terms of can you keep him, can you get him to do another two or three years? Mm. It, it doesn't feel quite as unrealistic as what it has done at certain points. And, you know, when Liverpool have been low, maybe he's kind of reflected that at the moment. It's it's a lot more positive. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and you know you mentioned Klopp at Dortmund. I think another example is is Pochettino at Tottenham. Obviously, they had that poor start. I don't think it was long after playing them for the Champions League final. Had a poor start to see it, and Pochettino was gone by like November that year. And then I think they look back now, and probably obviously they're doing well now. But you know, with the turmoil that followed, maybe there was an argument that you know what, actually, we should have really properly invested in that team and that manager because they weren't really able to find someone comparable for what was it, you know, three or four years afterwards. So. I think Liverpool have probably learned from from those examples in the past. Um, and I do think Klopp's demeanour is noticeably different. I mean, last year he was... I think there's probably a few journalists who could tell you that Klopp seemed a bit out of sorts, maybe a little bit grumpy at times. I think that would probably be fair to say. This year he does seem a lot more like the charismatic self that we've kind of come to know during his time at Liverpool. Um, when he last signed the contract, I remember a line um, in the reporting that he was really enthused about what the future looked like at Liverpool and that was one of the reasons that he wanted to stay. Then I think what happened last season showed that Liverpool were a club that almost neglected the forward planet a bit. You know, the squad was one of the oldest in the league. It hadn't been refreshed properly. Um, there was a bit of a, a brain drain behind the scenes, if you want to call it that. And all of a sudden that logic behind his new deal looked like it was being called into question. Now though, with that midfield being so young with the team, probably, you know, in certain matches, probably be one of the youngest sides we see this season. Um, now it feels like there is genuinely reason to be a lot more optimistic about the future that there has been an actual sense of renewal at Liverpool. Would you say that's fair? And is that the thing that's going to really make the difference when it comes to engaging Klopp in, in those talks? Yeah, I mean, he, he loves a project, doesn't he? He likes to, to get his teeth stuck into to something like that. And I, I think... We're excited about it. I'm sure if you're there every day and you're working with these players and there's you know new people coming into the building, there's different people to have conversations with, there's even just you know on a, a social or a personal level just to, to be able to get to know a different group of families or you know different different people that you're seeing. I think is is only only a positive thing. So it, it feels realistic that he would feel like there's there's an opportunity to to go again. He, he, he's mentioned you know a number of times that. This is year one or year zero or whatever it is that he keeps saying about this Liverpool team, which that to me doesn't suggest that he's thinking in a couple of years' time yeah. that will be the end of that. I think that's maybe that's me reading too much into it optimistically, but if you're talking about this being year one and you've already been here for however many years it is, probably you know an extended contract is, is something that has crossed his mind. And let's be honest, if, if he wants that, that that's going to happen, isn't it? It's it's basically down to him if if he wants to to stay or go. The Germany job might come into it a little bit at some point, but again, I don't think that's something that's going to go away if he doesn't take it. You know, in the the next couple of years, then it will it will still be there in the, the the future. I think, you know, he's he's spoken many times about wanting at some point to retire, go on holiday with his family, not think about football. But maybe there's a bit of a compromise where when the time for that comes. You can do a bit of Germany on the side and, and you don't have to, to just go from 100%, 100 miles an hour to, to absolutely nothing. So there's definitely an argument that, that that comes into it at some point. There's definitely an argument that at times he's looked like he might be ready to, to walk away at, at some point in the near future. But 
I just don't get that impression at the moment. So I'd be disappointed if if that wasn't the case now that he he didn't extend. If if it gets to twenty twenty six and he decides that he's had enough, I. I'd almost say something would have had to have gone wrong again, similar to last season between now and, and then. Yeah, definitely. And even what happened last weekend, you look at it and, yeah, that could sort of dent the mood a lot in the dressing room, but it kind of feels like the kind of thing where it would actually bring the team closer um, and really kind of energise them for, for the season ahead. So even those setbacks, in a way, can kind of um, make Klopp even more invigorated, I'd say. I thought you um, reacted quite well to it, actually, to be yeah. fair. I think la- th- there were times last season where if that had happened, then... Mm. I don't think the press conference would have been, you know, particularly uh, particularly great. But you know, he he seemed to be a lot more relaxed and a lot more yeah. considered than maybe he has been at certain other points. Yeah, I think he was also thinking about his uh, bank accounts and uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe being on the touchline for future games with that one. But um, definitely, he was quite calm in the aftermath of it. And um, you know, we're talking about a club last year. It was it the game against Arsenal? He, he runs down the touchline. Um, ends up doing his hamstring because he's that angry with the fourth official he wants to scream in his face type thing so I think um, we are seeing a, a calmer and a more charismatic club this year and that can only be a good thing on the, the contract point definitely and yeah if it is year one and he's not going to necessarily want to leave after year three which is what it would be um, under that current contract term but yeah we will leave it there thanks very much Matt thanks very much everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast in the meantime Remember to check out all the written content that goes up on liverpool.com. And yeah, until the next one, take care. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.